Welcome to episode 447 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with documentarian, podcast host and producer, archivist, and old soul, Dominique Lessing. We talk with Dominique about her story, so to speak, up to this point, about Prince Grace of Monaco, about Barbara Carroll working at MoMA, and her new job in Pittsburgh as an archivist, film archivist, her grandma, glamour, Dinah Shore, quiet strength, style, feeling disconnected from your own generation, about being an old soul, and following your dreams, among other things. A wonderful conversation with Dominique Lessing this go-round. We feature an EWSA titled Flair, and we share a piece written by Ellery Akers titled 15 Strokes of Luck, published in the December 2021 edition of The Sun magazine. We have a poem called Thankful, and of course, all of this will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 447 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Turn the 
flare. Are they all mentally and spiritually lost? Have we all become defective? Has our sense of style and glamorous humility left us? Have you ever heard of the princess from Philadelphia, Grace Kelly, or beautiful RuPaul and Candy Darling? Gregory Peck was a handsome man who had a swagger that is keenly apparent still on the big and small screen. Sidney Poitier, his name alone is so elegant. What about the jazz musicians from the 20th century with suits and ties, debonair hats and long overcoats to match their ivory, gold, silver, dark varnished wood and brass, creating sound so vibrant, deep and soulful, its inspiration lasts beyond the bombast, society stoked as the energy causing its creation. Is not the way we trim our beard and mustache, pluck our eyebrows and make longer our eyelash, the fact that we wear a slip under our dinner dress or a tie clip and fine leather shoes with a matching belt and silk stockings, an effort at kicking the blues? We appreciate a classy turn of phrase, a hero or heroine breaking through the haze of a gathering malaise. Are not these a means to transcend emptiness and despondency? We love to be strong and romantic, with delusions of self-importance sometimes leading to grandeur. Though our essence can best be described and genuinely expressed by the way in which we choose to meander. Fall in love, fall in love, says my heart Take a chance on romance, says my heart But each time that I'm almost in your arms This traumatic brain of mine keeps ringing in false alarms Then my head rules instead and I'm wise To the scheme of that gleam in your eyes So I kiss and run but the moment we're apart You fool That was love Says my heart Ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do
Is this you? It is. It's so nice to hear you. Same here. Thank you for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, before I'm very excited. I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) Before uh, we get started, I I just want to share a little bit about, uh, and you're going to fill in a lot, I think, too. Uh, Dominique is a documentarian. She's a podcast producer and host. She's an archivist and an old soul, among other things, right? That's right. And uh, tell us a little bit about your your story, I guess you could say, so to speak, to give uh, folks context before we get in. Okay. Um, well, I grew up here in Scranton, and I was around a lot of older people, and I think that's how I became an old soul. And uh, I grew up here and with a lot of artists and really eclectic people, and and that's kind of my start. And then I went to New York um, for college, and there I studied film and film studies, and, um, and then I got a great opportunity to work on... Um, archiving all of Princess Grace of Monaco, her collection in New York City. So I did that while I was in college, and um, that really got me into my love of archiving and film and all of that good stuff. And then I finished college there, and I stayed there, and I was working at Carnegie Hall and working um, for the Museum of Modern Art there in their film department, and um, that was really great, and and then I came back here about two and a half years ago, and then um, that's been like my little journey so far. And, and you're relatively young. I mean, mid twenties, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Twenty seven. And I've known yeah. you. I've known you since you're an infant. It's, yes. It's amazing. I know. It's- it's really great. I really love now that I'm back home sometimes, you know, running into people who I've known for that long. And it's very special. It is. And you're cool to appreciate that and see that already at, at 25. So, yeah, you are an old soul for sure. Uh, and now you went to Sarah Lawrence. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I did. And it was really exciting there. It was full of it, it's not just an all girls school, but it, it still has that. Um, aura to it um, because it used to be and so there's a lot of um, very strong women there and uh, really eclectic group there. Well I think it's safe to say your mom's a strong woman so I guess that sort of sets the the tone for you. Yes definitely but it it was very um, intimidating I must say because I I would say that I'm a little bit 
not exactly the type of um, feminist that they all were. They're very loud and domineering. And so it was very interesting being there and trying to figure out, well, how can I be me there? And so it was, it was really great. I really encourage people who um, are a little different in what they like to, to explore that in, in places that might make them feel a little uncomfortable, you know, at first. Yeah, that's a great uh, bit of advice. You know, it helps you to push yourself and also, yeah. you know, get maybe into things that you you really want to, but you, again, you don't have the, the chutzpah yet. And, and that kind of mm-hmm. scene almost forces you or it inspires you both to get to get moving in a way. To oh, work. yeah. Now... I, I I called you a documentarian. Is is that accurate? Or you do you studied film, but are document documentaries uh, more? Yes. Uh, well, into? I help the documentarian a great deal. Um, I I'm not the actual documentarian, but I um, as an archivist, I give the documentarian their their work so that they can make the film they want to make. So all of their the film clips you would see in a film, they have to get that from somewhere. So they get that from usually the places that I've um, been grateful to work at. And um, we supply them with with the films, different ones, and then they kind of choose what they want, and then that's what you end up seeing in, in the film. Now, a lot of people might say, that sounds boring, being an archivist. <laughs> you know, is it? I guess not for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to really like it. Like, I, I get so excited. I knew it was a good fit when I was there, and they said, well, we have all of these um, photographs of these old movie stars, and we're not sure who they are, and I knew who they were. And I thought, well, you know, I was when I was 12, it didn't matter, but now it finally matters that I know who Gregory Peck is or I know who, you know, Vincent Price is. It's, it matters then, and so it's very exciting because I can use all this knowledge I've had finally at last. Well, when you said you said when you were there, when you were at uh, at Carnegie Hall or MoMA, is that what you mean when you say yes. there? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's my time. I just finished working at MoMA and at their archive, which is here in the Poconos. So I was there for close to a year, and um, that's where I was able to use a lot of my skills. So, when you were a little girl, you watched a lot of old movies, black and white movies, and, and such. Yes. Definitely. I had a just a huge obsession with it. I don't know why, but but um, my father was definitely very instrumental in that. And he 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 loved them. And um, so he got me very into them for a long period of time. And then I tried to be cool and be in with the, you know, the other people at school and like what they liked. But it only really lasted like a couple of years. And then by the time I was like 13, I, I started to just go back into them. And um, I would just, I'd go to the library and read, um, you know, autobiographies on these movie stars. And just like I was completely, you know, immersed in that since then. What what, what uh, do you think compels you or attracts you to, to the, the, I guess you you would uh, we would say the mid twentieth century, mm-hmm. early twentieth century, mm-hmm. uh, instead of contemporary, more contemporary uh, actors, actresses, and, and such. Hmm. I you know I just think that they have you don't know everything about them, which is very alluring to me. There's there's this beauty about them, and uh, 
I also think that they're very interesting and smart, and the products that came out then were really innovative and, and different types of films. You know, there was noir, there was drama and um, thrillers, all kinds, where now there aren't, there's really just big budget films, like big blockbuster superhero films. But then you had so many musicals, you know, all different kinds. So I really love that variety. And, and, uh, and they're just so, you know, so glamorous, which we don't have today. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true. I, I noticed that too, and I, I know for a while you were hanging out with this jazz musician, weren't you? Who was significantly older than you when uh, you were, I think, working on a putting together a, yes. a documentary yes. about oh, her. Oh yes, I was. Yep. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little I bit was. about that because that to me was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh well, her name was Barbara Carroll, and I discovered her just randomly at a jazz club and she happened to still be playing at 95 at the time and um i was in college and i wanted to um really do more documentary archival work and so i thought oh wow she's she's been playing um piano jazz piano for the past like 70 years it had been and nobody had really talked about her except the new york scene really knew her and so I, I asked her, I had known some other musicians who luckily got um, me her number, and I asked her if, if we could make a film about her. And um, she said yes, and, and I was starting to go to her apartment, and it was really incredible to see someone 95 playing and um and she had pictures of different musicians in her home. So when you'd go in there, it just felt like this time capsule, you know, of like the 50s there. And um, it was and it was going really well. Unfortunately, she passed away. So we had to stop doing it. But for a good year, it was very exciting. I mean, that sounds like paradise for you in a lot of ways, walking into her apartment. Oh, it was. And just how she carried herself. I would watch like what she would wear and just all these things. And I was about 21 at that time and it was just it was just so exciting she was 74 years older than you (laughs) yes yes but i wanted her to be my best friend like i i'm really not into ageism that's something i tried to fight for a lot is that you know you should be able to be friends with anyone even if they're older than you so Oh, definitely. It's just, though, usually people have common interests when they're closer in age. You know, they're in the same sort of phase in life. They're, they're going through the same sorts of things in life. So I think that's often why um, people of the same age seem to to uh, gather and, and are, are attracted to, to being together. But, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I was young, my, my parents, in particular my father, would say, you should you should spend time with people older than you and talk with them. They have a lot to teach you. Listen to their stories, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I always thought that made sense, and I and I I do that too. Uh, and so I I kind of get maybe where you're coming from. You I think you it sounds like you're the style and is is something that you like, but also I I, I bet you and tell me if I'm wrong. You're also enamored by their experience 
Oh, yeah. And just how they carry themselves. You know, uh, us young people are very nervous and like, what's going to happen next? And what am I doing? Am I doing it right? You know, we have all these, everything's very unknown, I feel, at least for me. And when I'm with especially older people, they have a confidence and a calmness that I really um, wish I had. And it's really nice to, to just, you know, be in their presence, I find. So... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. And, and uh, you, yeah. you, you know, we're going to talk about your your uh, podcast in a bit and your new job in Pittsburgh, too, see what you're thinking about that uh, set of opportunities. But I'd like to still ask you about some of the other friendships you have, because you have some really cool friendships, and, and this speaks to how cool you must be. I mean, I know you're cool, but I'm biased. Um, <laughs> uh, like, you hang out with the chairman of the board's daughter. Right? Yep, yep, I yeah. do. I, I keep it on the down low, but I, I do occasionally. Um, yeah, she's a really, really great person. And um, had I not been uh, an old soul or someone into, you know, older things when I was younger, that wouldn't have happened, you know. So. And we're, we're talking about not the chairman of the board of, you know, some corporation. We're, we're talking about... <laughs> Frank Sinatra, we're talking about Nancy Sinatra, and how did you guys meet? Well, I, when I was 14, I was researching him just for fun, and I discovered that he had a website, and I didn't think anything of it, and, I, and you could join it to learn more about him. And when I joined it, I learned that um, she was the one who ran the website and really ran it like she was the one who would greet you on there. And um, and nobody believed me about this. So, I mean, I joined and, and I was constantly getting any questions I had. She answered them. And it was a whole like a forum of, diff- of people, but a pretty small group of people. And I was the only young person on there. So it, it kind of I kind of stuck out a bit. And um so I was on there since I was, you know, 14, and it just it just ended um, a year ago. It, it just um, the website got canceled. Um, but she she was like a really wonderful mentor on there. And then when she would come to New York, I would see her, and and that was when I really realized that we got along very well. And I just instantly, like, I felt calm with her, and and we were just, you know, very good friends. And I think of her as more like a, a great aunt, you know, someone who you can ask advice. And she's very practical, maybe the most practical person I know. So um, it's always really nice if I'm, if I need advice about little things to go to her. It's amazing. You know, all the, I mean, you have so many good people in your life. You, you do. I mean, your mother yeah. and your father, they're very cool yeah. people. And yeah. then your grandma yeah. too, right? <laughs> your your your, uh, yeah. your paternal uh, grandma. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I know she she was a strong. Uh, I don't know if she's still around. Excuse me for asking. Um, no, no, that's okay. Is she still? No, is she... she isn't. But um, I had ten really amazing years with her, and I'd say she's my favorite person, like in the world. And um, yeah, I would say definitely that she. Um, made my dad so much of who he is, you know, who then made me, you know, uh, what I believe in. And, um, um, yeah, I, I definitely, she, she was a model for, um, in the forties and then, um, they lived in Manhattan with my father and, and her and, and, uh, 
it was very interesting him telling me so many stories about living in New York City, you know, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. So I'm definitely very influenced by by them. And all of this experience, all of this uh, knowledge that you're you're gathering, um, mm-hmm. you're 25 years old, uh, you, you, you're an archivist, you're a filmmaker. Uh, where, where are you going from here? What, what, what are you going to do with all this? And how are you going to keep it, you know, are, are you going to, I guess as you get older, how is, how is that going to work? I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope in all good ways. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, um, just make sure I do things that I really love to do. And, and that I think are of my interest, maybe not other people's, but, you know, and that I can combine making an actual living with, with doing something I really, you know, find important. So if I can just keep doing that. Well, what, what do you find important? I mean, you, are you trying to uh, help to frame and to keep tr- track of, of what has occurred that you believe is important through film, um, through, I guess, culture that is passed on, ideas, style, uh, or are you trying to create or come across something totally new? I'm trying to understand. I mean, you're, you, you, you are an artist, obviously, uh, and I'm trying to understand in what way and what you're going to do with it. I'd say it's more about the people I choose. I'm, I'm very specific about the, in terms of my own projects, like who I want to focus on. And they're normally people that maybe other people just didn't realize are that fabulous. And I'm like, but they really are. And you're just not noticing it because they're, they have a quieter demeanor or they could, they all seem to come off in a very um, elegant, warm way, but not in an in your face way. So that makes people kind of forget about you, unfortunately. So I try to bring those, if I can always try to bring those people to the surface, that, that would be my greatest, you know, goal. And could they be everyday people? That's, are they going to be? Oh, definitely. I mean, in my personal life, having those people as friends, yes. But I mean, in um, in work, I, I I would love to to just find those different artists. I find really exciting that that others just don't seem to, and and highlight them. Are they usually? Would you say they're usually eccentric, kind of, and the and the would be looked at as eccentric from. You know, no, not at all. No, <laughs> no, not at all. They all seem to have a thread of being um, just people that are not in your face and but are are iconic in some way. Like why I chose Dinah Shore, why I I've been always interested in indoors day. It's like these women who are have this quiet strength about them, but they're not. Um, you know, they're not like Gloria Steinem out there, but they're, but they have all those beliefs, but they just show it in a very, um, subtle way. Now you mentioned Dinah Shore, and this is a nice transition into your podcast, which is called An Old Soul. And, uh, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep. you did an episode on Dinah and, and you could you basically tell us about the podcast. Uh, it, uh, it's relatively new. Right. And how does it work? What do you, in other words, you know, what would people, uh, what should they expect? Oh, I'm so excited about it. Um, 
it's it's actually going to be a whole series of episodes, and I've done two of them so far. And it's it's on the life of Dinah Shore, who was a singer um, and a, a television host for many many decades, and she also did a lot for um, sp- women's sports which people don't remember. Um, so it's taking all of these, her whole life, and really going in depth with it, which hasn't really been done before, and, um, and doing that in a, in a podcast format. So is it you discussing uh, with other people uh, various aspects of, of uh, whomever you're focusing on life, or is it you just sharing your thoughts and, and research. Uh, well, I, yeah. Well, I use all of my archival skills, and and I do very, very heavy, intense research. And I, I go to archives. Um, I'm planning to go to her archive, which is in Nashville. Um, and I do a lot of research on, um, on the person. So on Dinah Shore. And then what I do is I use a lot of um, audio and different clips from her life from television since she worked primarily in, in TV. And I, I use a lot of that as kind of the evidence of what I'm saying. So I try to make it incredibly factual. So a lot of it is in her own words. So I'm able to take so much of my archival deep dive, you know, skills and bring that to the podcast. So it's not a conversation at all. It's more kind of the archive coming to life is what I hope it is. That sounds wonderful. This sounds like it could be huge. Honestly, it sounds very. It sounds like it'd be very, very uh, entertaining and and stimulating to to listen to. Honestly, um, oh. much more than my my show. <laughs> for sure. No, no, it all matters. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. It, it, everybody likes different stuff, and uh, but yeah. honestly, uh, you're, you're, this sounds wonderful. And. Um, 30 minutes, 60 minutes per episode, or is it going to vary? Yep. It's um, thirty, about 35 minutes per episode, and there will probably be around 10 of them. I have two of them that are out right now. 10 of them for just Dinah, you mean? Yep, just Dinah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're done, or you're going into somebody else? No, I might do someone else. I, whoever I'm thinking, I, I might do Mary Tyler Moore after her, um, but I, I'm not sure quite yet. So we'll have to see. And that would be in the springtime. And is it always going to be uh, a, a woman? For right now, but I, I don't, I'm i more drawn to women, but there are some men that I've now recently discovered that I, I, I always, I'm trying to find people where there isn't too much um, that's been out on them already. So a lot of male stars there actually has been a lot about them out. So that can be a little difficult, I find. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, this is called An Old Soul, and it could be found anywhere. If, uh... Yes, it's, um, yep, Such an Old Soul, and it's um, anywhere you have podcasts. Such an old soul. I knew I was forgetting Such a word. Such an old soul, yeah. Such an old soul. <laughs> no and, and this is, I mean, that's a reference to you. Yes. Because everybody would tell me that, and I didn't understand. And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess that's true." <laughs> yeah. So, you're such an old soul, and you are using everything that you've experienced up to this point. It seems to me you're very open, and you remember, 
Uh, and you seem positive, too, uh, to me, your, your take on life. Um, What's, um, like right now, when you look, how do you, how do you connect with your own generation? Do you, or, or is that, mm. is that difficult? The other 20 yeah, somethings. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very hard. I think, um, very difficult. And, uh, but I am good at not like, I definitely am not overt with all the things that I love. I'm not ramming it down people's you know throat and being like you watch this look at this star look at you know i don't i'm i think that i'm pretty subtle about it like you'd have to ask me to know that what i'm into um so i think that helps a lot where you know anyone can kind of go up to me and i can talk to them and they're not going to be like wow she's really far out where i don't know how to relate to her like i try to you know be able to like, I know what's going on in the world. Like, I'm not just set in 1960, you know, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think once people get to know me, they think that's true. But I mean, I'm able to have just a general conversation where I do find that some people who I do get to know who are really thickly in this world, whether it be old film or, or vintage fashion or whatever, that some of them have a really, really hard time relating to other people because they just want to be in that world, you know. But so I think you have to understand it's a, it's a real balance, you know. Right, right. You can appreciate other things, but still be here now, you know. Oh yeah, things that yeah, you, and yeah. be interested in what other people are interested. Like I love meeting someone new and, and knowing what they are interested in and hearing about that like that's very exciting and it, it doesn't need to just all be about like you know the old stuff I like so yeah you're not obsessed and you're not, right exactly yeah. exactly and, and you know your style your your clothes do you dress like someone from the 50s and 60s or earlier mm-hmm. or do you dress pretty con- like your contemporaries yeah, I'd say it's a blend. Like you'll, you can pick. I pick up pieces that are, but I blend it with with newer pieces, similar to uh, how I would converse with someone. Like you know, I do love to talk about older things, but I can talk about current stuff. So it's it's like that with with clothes. I do really really love um, late sixties clothes, just because they're shorter cut, and since I'm very tiny, it goes well for me. But um, um, but I'd say someone looking at me wouldn't go, oh, wow, she's, she only wears, you know, dated clothes. So, Yeah, and I think a lot of the, uh, yeah. a lot of the styles you like, are, from, based on what I have seen, um, yeah. are timeless anyway, really. You exactly. Know? That's what I hope. Yeah, you can wear it when you're 90, when you're 20. <laughs> right. So. so you're moving yeah. to Pittsburgh. It's kind of like Mary, yeah. you know, Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. I know. She's my hero right now. I'm really channeling a lot of her energy. <laughs> well, tell us about it. What, 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 what's on your mind? What, how are you looking at this? You're, you're going there for a new job as an archivist. Yes. Uh-huh. My first job as a, as a real archivist because I, I have spent many years working for free, interning, and I, I've never been so 
excited <laughs> that I actually have a, a real job that I'm sure many people my age feel that way. But especially in my field, there I was talking to a, a fellow archivist who, who has a job in it already. And she agreed that it's just so hard to, to get in the door because these places are so um, hard to find. And then they're very secure, like people don't know they exist. So once you do, then just getting in the door and um, being able to just intern somewhere is so hard. So I've been interning for a long time at, at the Museum of Modern Art, and um, they weren't able to give me a job there. So I was able to luckily find one at a film archive in Pittsburgh. So that's why I'm, I'm moving there. What's the name of the, fil- of the place? It's called the Media Preserve. And is it a nonprofit or is it a for-profit or um, It's for-profit, um, yeah, but they, they actually deal with, they have many departments, so they deal with books, um, audio, they do VHS, and then um, like all, all types of, of film, which is the department I'm in. So basically, their whole motto is taking the past and making it present. So they take all forms of anything old and they make it digital so that you can see it in today's world. And you're fine with that? Yes. Oh, that's all I want is for people to get to, because we don't destroy anything, but it's the ability to get to see something from the 30s right now in, in you know, pristine color um, is very exciting or else it's just sitting in a vault, you know. So. Have you ever talked with, with Nick Pavisa about this? I haven't. Maybe I should. <laughs> Maybe you should, yeah. yeah. I think Nick and you would have a very fascinating conversation about uh, that, that uh, topic. I, I, I've had some conversations with him about it, and uh, unless I misunderstood him, I think he would take a different point of view than you. Maybe we should have oh, both of you on. I could, I could like, oh, oh, I mediate. Think so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I really strongly just disagree with people who want to colorize things like I'm not doing anything where we're taking we're not taking any of the film and making it different we're just taking it's the exact film you would see it's just going into a scanner and then when it comes out um, what you get a copy of it on digital but it, it looks exactly the same but what a lot of people are doing now is they're taking um, film and colorizing it or changing it in a way, taking out scenes um, because of the climate of today or whatever, and um, that's what I what we don't do there. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm not judging. Yeah. Believe me, I'm not. I'm just. No, no. I, I all uh, we do is make it accessible to people. So, like, you want to see um, Lawrence of Arabia, you don't have a whole film reel of it because you don't have a film, you know, projection screen at your home. Well, we make it so you can buy the DVD, basically. So. Excellent, excellent, and th- and this is important. Yeah. This is important because it's yeah. it's it's human culture. Yes. And, it, and it's not sitting there in the vault, you know, because I was at an archive where all I did was take things and put it back in a box and mark it and then put it in a vault. And um, that's all I did all day. But nobody got to see it where this work I'll be doing. Everything I do, at least hopefully some at some point, you will get to see it. So whether it's in a documentary or at a library. Well, Dominique, I... 
look forward to seeing a lot of what you do in the future, including your own films that I, I'm sure you're going to you're going to uh, direct, produce, what have you. I cannot wait to start listening to Such an Old Soul, your new podcast. And uh, hopefully we see each other out and about town during the holidays. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Any any parting words for the listeners? Um, just uh, be true to yourself. <laughs> I strongly believe that. I love it. Thank and you. watch some good old movies. <laughs> thank you. Take oh, care. Thank you. Thank you, Dominique. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. December 2021 edition of The Sun magazine. It's titled, Fifteen Strokes of Luck. The first was that I was no longer in pain. I could sleep. The second was that I was finally able to love. All my life, I had been more or less shut. The third was that I lived near a pond. Watching the mallards dunk made me laugh. I was happy looking at dragonflies and even their empty exoskeletons, their shells shaking a little in the wind. The fourth was that sometimes I felt rinsed clean and at peace. 
The fifth was that sometimes, not often, I knew when I was locked into my story. The sixth was that I didn't die young, locked into that story. I knew I wasn't the only one who had a violent father. The seventh was that I was interested in pebbles, lynchings, and sticks, which were everywhere. The eighth was my group of friends, Barbara, Shirley, Jerry, Judith, Bonnie, Mario, Mia, Eric, and Angelique. The ninth was writing. The tenth was that I didn't want to be a torch, but a candle. The eleventh was that I could see a stripe of light on an alder trunk and draw it. And even though it might not turn out to be a good drawing, I noticed the forest. The twelfth was that I could see a therapist who walked me to the door and said, I hope things are better next week. The thirteenth was that I lived close enough to the sea to smell it. The fourteenth was that when he stroked my hair, all the cells on my head lit up with delight, one after another. The fifteenth was my dreams. They told me to start teaching. They told me to go north. They told me not to drive the next day. They told me who loved me. They were never wrong.
thankful. The smell of stuffing and wine, ginger ale and figs, with incense, sandalwood, in the rugs and upholstery. A light dusting of snow outside the window, and warm waves of heat from the clinking radiator pumped up with steam from a furnace down below. The sun rises and sets with skyscape clouds swirl, turmeric, magenta, orange-yellow hues as a tint of gray-white billows. Such natural clarity, nothing confused, true elegance for all to freely wear and peruse. Autumn in New York Why does it seem so inviting Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds in canyons of steel they're making me feel I'm home it's autumn in New Brings the promise of new love Autumn in New York Is often mingled with pain Dreamers with empty Sigh for exotic lands It's autumn in New York It's good to live it again Autumn in New York The gleaming rooftops at sundown Autumn in New York It lifts you up when you're run down Gaily ways and gaily voices Who lunch at the Ritz Will tell you that it
Episode 447 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Dominique Lessing, The Sun Magazine, writer Ellery Akers, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Jackie and Roy, Doris Day, Nick Lowe, Billy Holiday, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving.
Love is all around, why don't you take it all? 